You're listening to Legally Bliss Conversations. This podcast reclaims and rewrites the stories female attorneys have been told about how we should practice law, grow our businesses, treat our clients, treat ourselves, and craft our identities as female attorneys. We'll hear inspiring stories from current and former female attorneys, the ones who question the stories they've been told, the ones who aren't afraid to live boldly and step into their own power. We'll learn from women who define success on their terms. Through lighthearted and curious conversation, we'll impact the challenges these inspiring female attorneys have already navigated. So join me on this journey. You'll be empowered and ready to rewrite a completely new story about what is possible for you. I'd like to welcome everyone to Legally Bliss Conversations and a special welcome to Renata Musial. Renata is an attorney turned coach who discovered that the secret to having it all is simply deciding that you want it. She helps female attorneys actually feel happy and not just look like they are on paper through her coaching program to help female attorneys to reach her fullest potential at work and home. Renata is also the founder of the podcast, Happy Lawyer. She wants to help lawyers feel as good as their resume looks. Renata, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Let's talk about all the things. <laughs> yes. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to dig into some things. So one thing I always like to know from my guests is why did you ultimately go to law school? Oh my gosh, what a question. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's it was one of those decisions where, you know, I was graduating from college and I kind of, it's not that I didn't know what to do with myself, but I sort of also didn't know what to do with myself. I had some friends who were going into law. I don't know. Why do we make this? You know, I honestly, I kind of made it on a whim. I thought it would be a good, um, like future tra trajectory in terms of I could use it in different capacities if I wanted. I don't really have a good answer for it. <laughs> no, you know, my answer for going to law school was I just wanted to extend college three more years. Um, it was not... <laughs> Not really, what it, it didn't really fulfill that, but you know, we live and learn. So what was your law school experience like? You know, law school was both amazing and awful, right? Which I think, I don't know, I feel like most of us would say that, right? The stress, the intensity, the insanity. Um, but also, I mean, I met some of the most incredible people, you know, today that I still am so close to. Um, I think it, it's sort of this pressure cooker that like forces, you know, people to like love each other or hate each other, form these like intense bonds. You know, um, I had some of the most fun times I've ever had in my life in law school. Um, but also that being said, you know, it was also a period of like intense stress, depression, anxiety, like everything like reared its sort of ugly head. Um, and it's actually kind of one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing now with coaching, because I was an admittedly unhappy lawyer, you know, I, and I, and I sensed that I knew that, or, or that started to happen for me, um, in law school. Like I just had this like gut, something in me was like, I don't know, Renata, is this, you know, like just the second guessing this, the struggle. And, and some of that is kind of what we're going to talk about, you know, today together, um, and, and what was happening, which I didn't realize, but so it was, it was both amazing and awful. Um, I have, you know, no regrets. That's something that I've really, I've had to work on, you know, now in, in my forties, um, thinking about that time, right. As this like 
really just the stepping stone, this amazing experience. Um, even if it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, um, or this ideal, um, it was an incredible time in my life. So. Yeah. It was the best of times and the worst of times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, one common thread that I see with a lot of attorneys I speak with a lot of female lawyers is that when they're in the moment, right. When they're experiencing law school or they're experiencing those first year few years of their career careers it may be such a struggle and they may not really understand why things are happening but things really seem to come full circle and when they get a little older like us and they do the work <laughs> and mm -hmm. they look back they do see how the the dots connected in a lot of ways right yeah. like you didn't like you might have gone through periods of your life where you were thinking oh man, I regret having gone to law school. I regret having been a lawyer. But now that you've done the work and you look back, it all, it I want to say it all makes sense or it's in the process of making sense. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just that sort of quintessential, like not being able to see the forest through the trees exactly. when you're so like deep in it and kind of in the thick of things and, and surrounded, like you don't, you just, it's, it's hard to really have like the full understanding and you're on this journey and you're kind of just like, God, I hope I'm taking the right, I don't know. There's a lot of second guessing, right? Some sure. of that is just youth <laughs> and inexperience yeah. and, and, you know, a little bit of immaturity. Um, and, but no, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, graduating law school and then starting your first, I guess, I guess few years of practicing law. What was that experience like for you? I mean, similar kind of to law school. It was both amazing and awful, you yeah. know? Um, I, I will say that it was a really anxious time for me because, um, you know, in, in law school, there's a there's a curriculum, there's, there's steps to follow, there's classes that you're taking and there's an expectation. And so you kind of, it, it's like, it's like, you know, if, if you're rafting along a river, like the river's going in the direction it's taking you and you're either paddling strong or you're not, or you're right. And so like, but, but there's like a, a path. Whereas when you go out to practice and to work, a lot of that is kind of what your, you know, how your, your schedule looks, how, how much you're, um, you know, keeping yourself organized, like it's all on you, you know, how much time you're investing in, let's say networking versus actually working versus, you know, and so it really, for me, um, it became a significantly more anxious time in my life because um, I, I really struggled with that. So, so let alone then having to manage like, oh, the subject matter and to write, like you're still learning so much, like sure. all of the things as a new attorney, it's like, so I, I went into um, insurance coverage work um, and some insurance defense. And so I was appearing in court. I was drafting motions. I was arguing motions in some cases. Um, I was preparing, you know, discovery. I was answering discovery. I was, you know, I got to do a lot, which was great, but also it was a lot to manage, right? And it was a lot. And, and what I've since discovered now in my 40s is that I actually was struggling with undiagnosed ADHD. And so at the time, all of that anxiety, being a new lawyer and being in this new work environment and, and honestly struggling, a lot. Um, I, you know, was, was 
sort of like, I, I just felt so bad about myself and negative about like, oh my God, I made a mistake, right? About my career choice. And so those first few years of practice were exceptionally difficult because um, again, I really, that, that was when I've really, when you leave school and you have to kind of handle life on your own, you know, especially in a work environment, you know, it, it can be a lot. Um, so, so it was, yeah, it was not, not a good experience for me. Um, yeah, you're kind of thrown to the wolves, right? Um, and it yes. sounds like you, you went to, um, law school straight out of undergrad, right? I did. So you were probably practicing law at 25. Yeah. Which when you're 25, you're, you feel like you're really old and like, you know, all the things, Yeah, <laughs> but, like, you not. <laughs> but, but like yeah. looking back, it's like, Whoa, like I do look back at a lot of my immaturity at, at 25. So I want to ask you a little bit about your undiagnosed ADHD, right? So kind of going back to what we were talking about a minute ago, looking back on your career, like things make a, a little more sense now that you've had that diagnosis. What does that mean for you, Renata? And can you talk a little bit about how you saw your ADHD kind of manifesting as a young lawyer? I think that that information could be really helpful for anyone who may question um, whether you know they may be experiencing that as well and need an actual diagnosis. Yeah, I think it's it's sort of a trendy topic now. I think particularly with women because it does get diagnosed in women like later in life. Um, so it's actually quite common to see women in their forties um, who are like, "Oh shit, I had I have ADHD. Oh my god!" And and that's exactly what happened for me. Now looking back at those first few years of practice, I I see how so many of my struggles and so much of the anxiety was around my inability to just like manage my, my mind, my time. Um, and that's not because I was stupid or yeah. needed a better planner or need, didn't follow so-and-so system to, you know, keep track of my time. It, it literally is, my brain is just wired a little bit differently. And I, I do want to clarify too, like having discovered this, I don't know if it's again with maturity, like I do really see it as this, like, it's not a problem unless you make it a problem, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know, is it something that, yeah, it's, it causes struggle and stress in my life? Yes. However, there's also, you know, a lot of the things I'm really good at. And the reason I'm good at doing certain things um, at work at home is also because of the ADHD, you know? So I think it's important just to like, for, for women that are listening to this or thinking they might have it or have been diagnosed, like, it's not a, it's, it doesn't have to be a problem. You know, I mean, if I showed you my desk right now, like it's messy, it's always going to be messy. And for me to spend a lot of time, like cleaning it and keeping it organized is actually more stressful than just kind of like giving myself that like grace. Right. So I just kind of wanted to like bring that up because I think that's, that's been really important for me to just like remind myself, but really looking back, you know, um, as I talked about the anxiety that I was experiencing, you know, it was because I was, you know, I had, I struggled with like my memory, for example, or I had a bad, or I had a difficult time, like managing my time in terms of prioritizing my caseload. And then the, the tasks, the specific tasks, um, 
you know, that were required to handle a case, let's say, and I could do it and I could have, I knew that I needed to, let's say, respond to discovery, but like responding to discovery is like maybe like 10 steps, right? It is not only the drafting, um, it's, it's gathering information. It's maybe making some phone calls, right? There's all these steps and what ADHD, you know, to really simplify it. I mean, I'm no doctor, but it's essentially your brain has a difficult time with executive function. It's the list making, it's the organization, it's keeping, you know, kind of 10 plates spinning at once um, and understanding that like, oh, this plate is more important than that plate. People with ADHD, it's you're either everything is a level 10 or a level one, like not important or extremely important. And that gets really hard, especially as you get older, especially as your um, responsibilities increase whether that's at home, whether that's at work, right? Like all of a sudden you got like a lot of plates spinning. And if they're all a level 10, you are, are struggling. You are exhausted. Your brain can't, you know? So, so looking back now, I realized that like the things that I was struggling with, the reason why I was having such a difficult time and like not understanding is because my brain literally was like, I, we don't, we don't get what's happening here. We're not able to prioritize, you know? There was also, um, I had a really hard time like focusing on conversation sometimes. If you've ever experienced, uh, well, you, I don't know, you don't have ADHD. So like where literally someone is speaking to you and you're, I could literally visualize like the words coming into my brain and like going out of my brain, <laughs> you know? And it was so, it's so frustrating as a high achieving smart. Like I just, I just graduated law school. I just passed the bar. What the hell is wrong with me? You know, like, that was my thought process. So now knowing that I can see those um, sort of manifestations of my ADHD at the time. At what point did you say or think I need to speak with um, a professional about getting some type of diagnosis here? It sounds like you were probably speaking with one anyway, right? With with the anxiety Um yeah, I've, I've, I feel like I've been in therapy my whole life in some degree, yeah. which I, I mean, I love, I love therapy. I think it's important for everyone. Um, I, I did, um, I was in therapy in law school and then after, um, and I was, I was diagnosed with depression. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD until honestly this summer. So like four months ago, yeah. um, and what I came to discover and what my doctor has since told me is that the depression is really a sort of byproduct of the undiagnosed ADHD. And because I was struggling with the ADHD, it was so frustrating. And I mean, it felt so isolating. It's, st it still does honestly, you know, and it, as a, again, a high achieving, like go-getter of a woman, I, I just felt, you know, so bad about myself. And honestly, I mean, that, that's why I think I was as unhappy as I was. I was like, how are my peers who I know I'm at least as equally as smart <clears throat> excuse me, why am I struggling so much? Why is this so hard for me? Why is it, you know, it's hard not to take that so personally and to take that to heart and make it mean, you know, so many things about your worth and value. So really it was, I joke that <laughs> I was TikTok diagnosed. I feel like in the last few years with TikTok and, and um, reels on Instagram, I think there are so many more people talking about their, mental health, right? Like, and just struggles and positive things and negative things. And I think that's amazing because that's really where I started to see myself in, in women and professional women, moms, um, who would say things like, 
like, let me think of an example. You know, they, they would, I remember one mom talking about how difficult it was for her to like maintain sort of like normal, normalcy at home. Everything was just kind of in this like you know, state of chaos. She had a hard time, um, planning her kids' birthday parties, just these like little, like, right. Like everyday life examples. And I remember thinking, huh, that's ADHD. That's ADHD. I for sure have it, you know, (laughs) right. Like it it was just in this different context. Um, so I kind of just lobbed it in my head and, you know, jokingly said, TikTok diagnosed me (laughs) with ADHD, but then this summer, my husband and I started uh, couples counseling. We've been married for like 11 years. And, you know, as, as you do, as you get older, you know, in your relationship, our kids are getting older. We kind of wanted to reset with like communication. And so we started going and maybe two or three weeks in, our therapist was like, I think you both have ADHD and it's impacting your marriage and wow. your relationship. Wow. And I would encourage you to like, go get, yeah, talk about, wow. You know, and she encouraged <laughs> us to go get, um, like evaluate yeah. and sent us down the path, basically the rabbit hole of reading, getting some books, listening to podcasts. And like literally the first book I read, which I think is, um, I don't know the exact title, but it's something about marriage affecting or how ADHD affects your marriage. Mm. I'm, oh my God, it was so like mind exploding. Um, we had no idea and we had no, um, no idea that, that we possibly were struggling with it. Both my husband and I are high achievers. He's an entrepreneur, um, which maybe is not all entrepreneurs have ADHD. Right. But anyway, so it kind of sent us down that path. And that's when I started, or when I decided to, um, get evaluated, seek, you know, psychological counseling. And then that kind of, um, the steps I can describe it if you want. It's essentially getting an evaluation. It was like a six hour test, which was crazy, but also fascinating. Um, Yeah. And ultimately getting diagnosed. Okay. So you had mentioned that, um, you know, you can, there are certain things about ADHD that aren't necessarily negative. Mm -hmm. How are you using those to your advantage now? with, with your coaching, with your daily life. Um, yeah. I mean, some of the things that are like, like an ability to hyper-focus, let's say when we are really, when, when people, when women with ADHD are really interested in something, oh my gosh, you can like, you know, bury your nose in your work and like six hours will disappear. And you're like, wait, what, where'd the day go? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm able to do things really quickly. So for example, when I decided to do a podcast, I mean, I had a podcast going in like two weeks. Like I figured out the tech, I figured out the, you know, I, I was just like, for me, it was like, okay, I got to rip the bandit off and jump. It's like jumping off a cliff. You're like, here we go. And then you build the plane on the way down. Right. Um, so that, that can be really useful. You can really write like that can be useful at work. That can be useful at home. Um, however, sometimes getting there, getting yourself there, right. Is, is the, the trick. Um, what's another example. Um, you know, sometimes the ability to, I kind of gave this analogy of like having a bunch of plates spinning in the air. Like sometimes that's problematic if you can't keep them up, but it also is like allows you to, I don't want to say multitask. Um, cause that's not necessarily ideal, but your brain can kind of keep multiple things. Like you're thinking about multiple things at a time. So 
for anyone who does listen to my podcast, or I know you did too, um, you know, sometimes I've been told that like my storytelling, and even probably as I, <laughs> as I am talking to you today, it's not very linear. Now in my mind, I'm, I totally know like where I'm going, but, and I'm kind of using my hands as, as uh, you know, I know in a podcast that doesn't really work. I'm very like, you know, I gesticulate. Um, but like, you know, telling a story, like it's, it can be important to be linear, but I kind of like, am in this, like, you know, snake pattern, if you will. And it makes sense. And the person listening is kind of like, okay, I'm not really sure. And then at the end, if they are like following along, you know, they're like, okay, I get it. She, you know, told the story, but also told like four stories within, you know, on that path. And so it like people with ADHD just have like this it's an interesting perspective, but it also gives you the ability to really see a lot of different sides, different angles and look at life and business. And honestly, even I think, you know, being a lawyer, I think that that when I was doing good work, it was because I had that ability. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're yeah. able to see multiple sides from different perspectives at yes. a single moment. That's, yeah. that's, that's actually really interesting and really cool. And I think that you know, we tend to not look at the positives, right? Or I guess, I don't want to say benefits, it's not really the right word, but the positive aspects of certain um, differences in our mental capabilities. Yeah. So I'm really, I want to know a little bit about um, how you transitioned into coaching and how you're using your experience and also your diagnosis um, in your practice and your coaching practice and how you work with clients. Yeah. So I left practicing law um, probably after about seven years or so. Um, and that it kind of, you know, multiple things were happening in my life at the time when I decided to leave um, essentially. So I'm, I live outside of Chicago I was living um, and working in Chicago, and then I was getting married, moving to the suburbs, kind of, you know, my like a big life transition, right? Like moving out of the city. Yeah. And I mentioned, you know, I was pretty unhappy with the practice area. It wasn't really interesting. I was kind of bored with it, but also like, you know, just sort of like, okay, do I pivot? What do I do? Um, do I leave entirely? So as I was moving, again, like it just was this life transition. My husband and I both met and married a little bit later in life. So when we got married, we were like, you know what, let's try to start to have a fam- you know, have a family soon. So we did. And I kind of just decided, okay, you know what, like I'm going to leave. I'm not, I'm not that happy right now in, in what I'm doing um, as a lawyer. And I didn't have an, another job lined up. So I thought, you know what, this is a good time to like take a break. Well, 10 years later, <laughs> that break, you know, but that was kind of the decision to, to stop essentially, you know, and it was fine. Although I will say, I mean, anyone who's in your audience, who's a mom will probably agree that, you know, that was probably a harder, much harder job, you know, being a a stay-at-home mom, um, was like the hardest job I've ever had. And, um, yeah. And so, so I kind of, over the last 10 years, I've done a variety of things. I've been a primary, you know, caregiver at home for my three kids And then I've, again, always been an entrepreneur at heart. So I was starting businesses. It's funny though, because coaching, and I think lawyers to a degree are coaches also, right? Right, right. Coaching has sort of been this prevailing thread throughout my career and my life. And so I was business coaching, I was mentoring, I was creating um, workshops for women and moms in my community. You know, there was this like thread of working one-on-one with people 
Oakland. And so ultimately, um, I would say in the last few years, um, I started to focus that more into a business where I was working one-on-one with clients. I started actually with business consulting and coaching, working with um, female entrepreneurs. I was kind of taking that legal angle, if you will, where I, you know, was helping them, you know, make sure they got an LLC and make sure they were, you know, kind of keeping records, you know, I mean, I'm sure your experience in trademarks, like, you know, small business owners, like they're good at what they do, but having, um, you know, some of that like backup or background fundamentals, like can be challenging. So I really enjoyed that. And, um, it was a little bit of like, let's try this and let's follow the shiny object, you know, again, an ADHD kind of thing. Um, which again was a little frustrating because I didn't know I had ADHD at the time, you know? And, um, so it was this both like amazing and awful, like 10 years where I've just kind of been playing and trying things out. And ultimately I decided to pivot into coaching attorneys. Um, I did that probably within the last like six to nine months, um, because I really, again, like thinking about myself as that young attorney, as that attorney who was really struggling, I I sort of jumped ahead a little bit when I was business coaching, what I really found was that so much of, I think everyone's (laughs) issues, whether you're a professional, a business owner, a stay-at-home mom came down to what we were thinking about our interactions, our lives. You know, I know this is something that you teach a lot about, right? Like this idea that that is affecting so much of, you know, what we have in our lives, where we want to go, what we want to do. And when I started to think about how much I wish I had that knowledge, that tool, you know, 15 years ago, when I was a young struggling attorney, how much I maybe could have made my situation a little bit better, a little bit less stressful, a little bit less anxious. Um, I really wanted to bring that to other attorneys and share that knowledge. So that's where I started, you know, the pivot into happy lawyer coaching. Let's take a quick pause for a message from my sponsor, Prominent Practice. Are you thinking about a career transition from big law or partnership to a solo practice, selling your practice, or maybe you're launching a project unrelated to law? Whatever the reason for your transition, you'll need support along the way. Enter Prominent Practice, an executive consulting and marketing firm specializing in branding, positioning, and reputation management for transitioning attorneys. Founded by a female entrepreneur who spent a decade building smart digital platforms for thought leaders before pivoting to focus on high-end service providers who were preparing for successions, mergers, and acquisition events in their businesses. If you're thinking about making a big business move, don't risk losing the ability to leverage the reputation you've spent your career building. Let Prominent Practice be your guide. Visit prominentpractice.com slash blist for an exclusive introduction. Well, you've specifically said a few times that you've, you kind of want to be like that lawyer big sister, right? Yes. That, yeah. that you didn't have. And, you know, I've said several times, I look back when I was a young associate and, you know, oh man, how much I would have benefited by having not like my legal mentor who was, who trained me, but someone who was more, how would you say this disinterested in my work product, right? Because there, I think there's a little bit of conflict with, with how someone like that mentors you versus 
kind of the big sister <laughs> from a yeah. legal perspective. So um, I love that. I, and I want to talk a little bit about your, like your brain. You have an episode and um, it's called your brain is a real bitch. <laughs> and yep. and I, I want people to kind of get a flavor of Renata and your podcast um, happy lawyer. And I, it's, it's a fantastic podcast. So please go subscribe to it. I, you're so real in it. And there are so many things that you say in the podcast. I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I'm, I just feel it like resonating through me because I had so many of the same experiences, like the anxiety around being a young lawyer and always thinking I'm screwing things up. Right. And just, a lack of self-confidence. Um, and, and I look back and I know that I was dealing with depression, you know? And so it was, there was a lot of challenges, um, around that for me, but let's talk a little bit about happy lawyer, your podcast, um, how your brain and your thinking impacts kind of your, your, your reality and how sometimes our brain can be a bitch and how we can observe that. I just do a lot of questions. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, I mean, my approach, my style, my, like the way I present, I, I guess I also, you know, the legal profession is, you know, it's very traditional. It's professional. That's wonderful. But also, I don't know why it has to be so like uptight. And so, you know, and I, I think that there's a way to be um, or to have like authentic conversations and really say like what we're all saying, thinking and feeling without that being somehow unprofessional. So I, I will say I did uh, worry a little bit about bringing right just a different style and flavor, but I appreciate that you appreciate that and see, I think that's important. So yes, I do try to speak very, you know, um, I don't know, irreverently, like just off the cuff, you know, and, and say what we're all really thinking. Um, but with, you know, I just, for me, like thought work. And so to back up a little bit, I, um, received a certification, um, in life coaching and it's kind of a, I feel sometimes people see life coaching as this sort of woo thing that you do with crystals and in a meditative, you know, it's not for professionals. And I really, I'm, I'm like excited to change that perspective. And especially because I think of myself as a very, like, I don't want to say jaded, maybe like, um, sarcastic. What's the word I'm looking for, you know, just skeptical kind of person to, so I think most lawyers would probably write themselves in that box. And so to think about like, how could life coaching, you're like, give me the to-do list of the things that I need to accomplish so that I can write. And it doesn't work like that. And that I was doing that same thing. I was like, let me just do more stuff. Let me just hustle more, work more hours. And we have it all wrong. And I am like trying to preach this from the mountaintops. Um, and when I saw like how much like of my own thoughts and listen, I am not trying to like, you know, put blame on any of us, like, or like create this uh, toxic positivity, you know, this culture of toxic positivity. We're like, Susie, just, just you're thinking too negatively, just right. Like it's not about that. Um, but there are a lot of ways that we are 
making things a lot harder for ourselves, making things more challenging, making our own, you know, selves miserable. And we don't have to be. So I kind of feel like, why wouldn't we at least try that? Give it a shot. You know, right now I'm doing some, um, I'm, I'm creating a mastermind with another attorney coach about developing business, um, and, and helping young attorney, not even young attorneys. Cause it, it's not about like your, your, you know, practice number of practice, um, years, more experienced attorneys need to also be thinking about developing business, right? Um, and so much of what we're teaching is how to have a rainmaker mindset, how to think like one. It's not about checking off to-do list items. It's about thinking of yourself like one, and then you feel like one, and then ultimately you take action like one, right? So that's that's really what my coaching is all about. That's what I try to um really teach and you know each situation each client it presents itself a little bit differently some come to me with you know issues about wanting to you know um ask for a raise or maybe move to another position or make a decision right and so but but ultimately you know i take them through this process of getting curious about what they're thinking about their problem how their thinking is actually creating their problem, right? Showing them this, like shining their the shining the light on the path that they're kind of already on. I'm not necessarily, am I teaching something new? I mean, yes, I am. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to discount my my, you know, what I'm teaching uh, or or like my, my skills um within coaching, but a lot of it is being a guide, you know, and showing them what's already inside them. I just kind of help clear out some of that muck and some of that shitty brain thinking, <laughs> you know, your brain's trying to protect you. It's, it's trying to keep you from doing, you know, harming itself, killing itself, dying, jumping off the cliff. Right. But like, that's not really happening at your law firm today. You're just trying to right? Like right, yeah, the yeah. fear that's coming up is not exactly the same fear you had, you know, thousands of years ago when you were walking out of a cave thinking you were going to get eaten by a lion, right? But your right, brain right. kind of doesn't know that. Right. And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm trying to do in my coaching. What's been your favorite thing about coaching so far? I think honestly, it is seeing these very like professional, um, what's the word? What's a, what's a delicate way to describe this? Like not, you know, listen, I, I mean, I, I am an, also an attorney. So I would, every way I'm describing these women, like is me too. Like, I think to a certain degree, we're a little rigid black and white thinking. We're like, it's, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we like, like things the way we like them. We like to control our environment, you know, not, yeah, you know, and that's great. That is a hundred percent what also makes us so successful and skilled at what we do. But I love that, like, aha moment or that like, whoa, something like this can help me. Like, I don't need another freaking planner to manage my time better. That is that. I mean, listen, that was mind blowing to me, you know? So, so I love seeing that. I love like opening up um, their eyes. One great example is like, I had a recent client who has had a lot of difficulty with, um, I forget if it was a supervisor or an opposing counsel. And she was like, Every time I see this person, every time I interact with them, ruins my day, ruins my week. Like they're so difficult and they're so this, right? And she thinks that that is, that's a fact. And now don't get me wrong. You know, there are arguably some things that we as society can agree aren't ideal, but also what I showed her is, and what I ultimately taught her is how to 
have interactions with that person, how to have meetings with them, where she would go in and essentially, instead of going into that meeting thinking, oh my God, this person is such a jerk. I can't, I hate this. This is going to be a waste of my time, right? Like this is her thoughts. Like she's going into it. Is she surprised that then the meeting is difficult? You know, he's challenging. He's right. Like that, she, she kind of did that to herself, right? And I, and I wanted to teach her and encourage her that like, okay, what if you went to that meeting again, you don't have to love the person. You don't have to right go into this toxic level of embracing everything that this person is doing, but just go in there and think about, okay, you know what? I have to engage with this person. I'm just going to not let what he says, or she, it could be a she, right? What they say, bother me. Um, I'm going to go in and make the best of this meeting. I'm going to go in, right? Just like this neutral kind of thought right? where you're going to go in, do whatever you have to do, have the conversation, but, and see how that feels essentially. See what kind of result you get from that. Is it different? Maybe it's not right. In which case, okay, you get curious about that, but I would, I would bet that nine times out of 10, you are going to have a remarkably different experience. And, and she did that. She went in and had this meeting and she called me the next day and, and like, could not believe it. She is like a high level, you know, successful attorney, you know, and, and this person has been causing her so much stress and anxiety. And it was like, in an instant, she was able to change that. And I loved it. She was like, I can't wait to try this in other relationships, you know, because it, it works, you know, in so many different ways. So that that's the most rewarding thing to me when I kind of get this sort of skeptical person <laughs> to yeah. try it out sure, and to, sure. you know, and, um, and it works for them. Okay. So in that, um, in that conversation about kind of what lights you up about your coaching, you also gave a kind of a really good tip, you know, about changing your mindset. Um, and you don't have to go into the meeting all like, you know, unicorns and yeah. <laughs> it can be as simple as going into it with a, a more neutral approach. Um, so I just think, I just wanted to really kind of point that out that you gave a, like a really practical kind of nugget there for people to, to pay attention to. Um, yeah. And just to that point, like I, so what I did with her and just to give a tip, like how you would do that, like you're already probably preparing for that meeting anyway, right? Your notes, getting yourself, like just give yourself five minutes to ask yourself, okay, what am I thinking about this meeting right now? Or this person and just jot a couple notes down. It doesn't have to be anything special. And it could just be, Oh God, I'm really annoyed. I'm irritated. Like you'll just, or, or how, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? I don't want to talk to this person. He's going to be such a dick, whatever. Right. And when you see that, like, ask yourself, is this helpful? Is this going to help me have a good meeting? How can I, again, just neutralize this a little bit and give yourself like one thought to, you know, change it a little bit, tweak it a tiny bit, neutralize it. Yeah. And then go into that meeting, same thing. This only take five minutes and see how that feels. It's so easy to practice. It doesn't take some like, you know, 15 minute meditation, you know, in a nap room, <laughs> like it's accessible to you right now. Um, yeah. So, so I just wanted to add that, that little trick. So, cause I think that's so powerful. You know, it is so powerful once you start learning about your own brain and how your thoughts don't have to always be going through your brain like a, a million miles an hour, right? Yeah. Like they, they are, I mean, because that's how we function and that's how we process information. 
but we it's that is a tremendous capability that we have to observe our thoughts right to, to be able to write them down and look at them and say oh i don't know if this is going to serve me going into this meeting can i make a tiny pivot here and try yes. to approach this situation differently and we so many people don't take that time to do that and that's why coaching is so um i think helpful in that regard right to kind of slow us down and like you said earlier help um you know, help others take a look at their own thinking and help them become more of the observer and of their thoughts and the person who pivots their thoughts rather than just as constantly kind of reacting to them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that again, as, as high achievers, as doers, we think that we need to put more, like we're not doing enough we are not going fast enough. It's not organized enough, right? And and I want to eliminate that. Like you already have all the tools. You have enough stuff. In fact, you probably need to remove some of it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but when you start to, you know, like you said, like really look at those thoughts, get curious about them, ask yourself if they're, do you want to be thinking that? Like they're all, you know, good thoughts and bad thoughts are available to you. Now, listen, this is again, sometimes you need to just, experience that bad thought and just sit with it and say, you know what? No, I'm, I don't like this person. I'm okay with not thinking or with thinking that for a while, right? Totally fine. There's no judgment on that. Um, but at some point you're probably going to get sick of thinking that thought because you're going to see, all right, this doesn't make me feel that great. <clears throat> a great example is like, think about something with like your partner, um, your spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, like where you, you know, if you've had an exchange with them where you're like, I'm really mad about this thing that they did or didn't do. And great. Okay. You feel mad. Like that's, that's neither good nor bad. Right. But you're thinking a thought that's making you feel bad. Now you can continue to have that thought. I mean, forever, if you want, is that really helping you? How does that make you feel? It's just, do you really want to feel bad and mad at them all the time? Probably most of us would say no. Right. So seeing how that's really impacting mostly you, you know, is, is really, I think just eye opening, And yeah, so I think it's just such a great tool and it really is a muscle. It's a skill set. Like it gets easier. You just practice it. And I will say like, um, I, as a coach and I think all coaches, I mean, this is my sort of my manual for coaches, but I think that really as a coach, a good coach should be teaching you or their client how to, do the work on their own, right? So someone who works with me, I want to teach you these tools, these tricks, like, or these, these ways that you personally can apply it to your daily life and your, your situations or, or, you know, issues, um, in a way that like, you don't need to call me every time you've got a problem. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I like a personal trainer. We're like, eventually, you know, like if you can't work out on your own, that's kind of a problem, you know, like they haven't really taught you <laughs> yeah. anything, you know, it's great to check in with them and have them. And absolutely like, they're going to watch your form and make sure that you're doing it right. And, and you're, there's accountability there. Right. Um, but eventually like you would like to not have to have that person all the time. Yeah. So I really like to work with, the, with clients, like pretty intensely for several weeks. And then end of, you know, either have maintenance where we're checking in, um, monthly or even quarterly, but ultimately because like, I want you to, you know, have developed that skill set that you could be doing it on your own. I love that. 
So let me ask you, I, I know our time is dwindling. Um, if you could write a note to Renata when she was 25 on the day that you graduated law school, what would you tell her? Oh my gosh, so many things. Um, I probably, you know, most importantly would say something along the lines of like, no one has it figured out. No one has it figured out right now. Everyone is right. Like no one, you know, because you said, I mean, you touched on that a little bit too. Like you think everyone like has the answer or somehow got some kind of instruction book and you did not. And you're like, shit, oh my God, I'm behind. I'm right. You know, and, and that's so not true. And, um, I would just like, yeah, like in some way communicate to her that like, you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. Um, also trust your gut, trust your, you know, ask questions, like follow that intuition, like just more of that, like stay true to like what, what you're feeling, what you're thinking about. Right. Um, because I think I didn't listen to myself as much as I could have. Um, and you know, it was that bad. Was that good? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm trying not to look back at the past as like regretful or anything like that, but, but I just feel bad for that version of me. Do you know what I mean? I'm sad for her because, um, that version of me was, was, you know, did struggle and was sad and was isolated and thought she had made a mistake and was stupid and was, you know, and, and that's sad. And had I known that like, Hey, this is, this is the time you're going to make mistakes. You have to learn. It's, it's this messy new beginning, you know? And, um, and I think I would have embraced that a little bit more and I would have had more confidence, right. To like try and ask questions and put myself out there more vulnerably. So that's, that's what I would say to her. Renata, thank you so much for hanging out with me. What is next for you? I know that you have your business development mastermind coming up. Um, your podcast, Happy Lawyer, is just getting started. Yes. Fantastic. If no one heard me before, please go subscribe to it. It's so much fun. What's what's next for your coaching and your career? Yeah, no, thank you for having me. This has been so great. I've loved following you um, and and getting to meet like so many amazing women in this who are lawyers, who are former lawyers, who are doing what you're doing, talking to women, coaching, um, teaching. I just think it's so amazing. And I, um, so I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this community now and, um, and to, you know, be able to talk to your audience, you know, I'm, I'm growing my, my business. I'm yeah. The podcast is like eight or nine episodes in. So that's been super fun. Um, I'm still trying to figure out like, what is, it's one of these like, okay, I'm going to kind of talk about everything and slowly start to, you know, maybe niche that a little bit, but yeah, I'm working one-on-one -on -one with clients open to accepting new ones. Um, I did create this mastermind that we're beta testing right now. That's specifically related to uh, thinking like a rainmaker, becoming a rainmaker. And so I'm excited to, to do that. We're starting um, actually later today is our first, this is uh early September when we're recording this, but so I'm excited to test it out. And then ideally have that be something that I either offer, maybe bring to firms. We're not sure where we're kind of working out the details, but yeah. So that's, that's kind of, you know, on the agenda right now. I love it. Where can people find you, Renata? So I am uh, on Instagram at happy lawyer coach. My podcast is happy lawyer. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as Renata Musial. 
where else? I'm kind of on TikTok. Am I on TikTok? I don't know. <laughs> yes. I appreciate you having me here. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on Legally Bliss Conversations. If you love this episode and you want to hang out with other inspiring and light gold female attorneys, be sure to join the Legally Bliss community at legallyblissed.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Susie Nixon. See you next time.